we're going to be in a, a three-part series. It's going to take us three weeks to get through. Um, I won't say the title as yet. I'll jump into that uh, when we get into the sermon. What I will do is read the passage to you that we will find ourselves in over these next three weeks. All right? It's a fairly well-known portion of Scripture. So as I start reading it, or as you see it on the screen, you uh, might go, oh, I I know this. Uh, I'm very familiar with it if you've been in the church circles for a while. And so I'll read it, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get to work. Hear these words of our Father. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, this is James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came back again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that it continues to transform the individual lives of people. And so, God, would you do that here this very morning? Would we see the the simplicity of the gospel in your word? But at the same time, may we be blown away by the jewels that we find in the scriptures. God, all of this is to point to you. And so, God, I ask that our hearts would be ready. Would you open them up? I pray against any distraction here this morning. I pray against the evil one whose desires are to steal, kill, and destroy. But I ask that you would come and give life and life to the full. And so, Lord, it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us know, say, and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, you are our king. You are our Redeemer. Would you have your way, not only in 2019, but in this very moment right here, right now? We ask all of this in Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name. Amen. Now, I'm going to say a few words to you. There are lines from a song. And so if you know the song, I'm going to ask that you, you scream it out. And if that's not you, then you can just nod your head. We have both theological positions here in this room. I'm going to give it away in the second line, so you need to listen carefully. The name of the song. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. There we go. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon, daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? No. 
I don't know. <laughs> Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up the stage and watch it jump like a candle. <laughs> was that, was that, was it really bad? I thought I'd put my best stuff out there, like. That's from the hit song, Ice Ice Baby by the infamous Vanilla Ice. A fairly well-known song, depending on how old you are and what kind of music you gravitate to. But I want you guys to know, I don't know how many of you would, and now I'm speaking to a generation a little further back, that the beat from Ice Ice Baby was actually taken from the song Under Pressure. This is the 1981 classic performed by the British rock band Queen and the British singer David Bowie. The song reached number one on the UK singles chart, becoming Queen's second number one hit in their home country after the 1975 Bohemian Rhapsody. I believe there's a movie that's out now. There we go. I know ended up being David Bowie's third number one hit. So it was a big deal, a really, really good song. That was it's David Bowie. Google it. Not now. For now, I'll see. And I'll go, okay, cool, Freddie Mercury. But when you come at the end of the service to apologize, I'll be standing over there. Stay by the door. Stay by the door. But the song titled Under Pressure, let me read a few lines to you from the song. Pressure pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man ask for. Under pressure that burns a building down, splits a family in two, puts people on the streets. Turned away from it all like a blind man, sat on a fence, but it did not work. Keep coming up with love but it's so slashed and torn. Why, why, why? Love, 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 love. Insanity laughs under pressure when breaking. The song is quite intense. It's quite intense. But I believe that the point that the song is making is that all of us, at some point in our lives, at, at some varying degree, we experience pressure. We experience pressure. Now, some of us might call it stress, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed. We feel pressure, intense pressure. Now, you might be sitting there and going, gosh, Honor, what a way to start 2019. Why not preach a sermon on, on the newness of the season? New beginnings, my best life now, God opening doors for me in 2019. Well, I believe some of those are good things. And I know you have New Year's resolutions. Some of you just shared those. The reality is that it doesn't take too long before pressure starts knocking at your door. It doesn't take too long before pressure starts asking questions about some of your New Year's resolutions. It doesn't take too long before you feel the, the weight of the world on your shoulders. Pressure. And here's the thing about pressure. 
Pressure is an equal opportunity employer. Pressure doesn't have a BEE scorecard. Pressure is not trying to figure out employment equity. Pressure will hit each and every single one of us. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, what culture you're from, how much money you have in the bank, your social status, how many followers you have on LinkedIn. <laughs> that's, that's the last time, I promise. Last time. No more. Pressure does not care. And so at some point during the year, I know that you are going to feel it. Some of y'all are already feeling it now. You're sitting there in your seat and you're just going, man, I, I just, I, I'm hearing all these New Year's resolutions. Folks are excited, but, but I'm feeling pressure. Because I'm asking myself, like, like Christina shared beautifully in the Selah, like, when am I going to get married? When am I going to have kids? When is my dream job coming? What is the future holding for me? Should I still live where I live? When am I moving? Should I make this decision? You're overwhelmed with pressure. And all of us experience it. Let me talk a little bit about how the, the, the body handles pressure. Human biology has, has a way for us to handle pressure. See, when you experience pressure, what, what happens, what your body does, is it has these adrenal glands that, that, that secrete this steroid uh, hormone called cortisol. Cortisol. It is released into your body when you experience pressure. Now, it's a, it's a good hormone to have. It is. It's the, the hormone, like it does a number of things, but, but it's known as the hormone that, that, that determines in moments of pressure whether, whether I'm going to run or whether I'm going to fight. What we know as fight or flight. So it's a good thing to have. If someone wants to attack me, I want that, that hormone to be released because I, in, that, in that moment I need to know, am I going to stand my ground and fight or am I out of there? Cortisol. But here's what happens to your body when that hormone is released. Because you need to be alert, your blood pressure rises. You know that feeling you get when, when you feel anxious, or when, when you feel under pressure, when you feel stressed, and, and it feels like your, your, your insides are, are moving all over the place? Well, they say that that's blood moving from your body, going to your hands and your feet and your head. Why? Because that's what you need when you're about to run or when you're going to fight. I need my legs to be working, my hands to be ready. I need to be alert. So my blood pressure goes up. My heart starts to beat because it needs to pump that blood. Here's another thing that happens when cortisol is released, when you are under pressure, is your immune system shuts down. Your immune system shuts down. Why? Because your body's going, well, right now, in this moment, we don't need to be worrying about your man flu. And that is true. In that moment, I don't want to be wrestling. Uh, a man flu, is it a real thing? Is it not? Any other time, absolutely, it's a real thing. But not in that moment. And so your immune system shuts down. 
Your body starts to break away at first the protein because it needs energy. It needs energy so that it could be released to your body so that you are ready to handle whatever pressure is before you. Now, like I said, this is a good thing. It's a good thing. If I, at some point, find myself camping with some of you guys and a lion comes to our tent, I want cortisol to kick in. But here's the thing about human physiology is that it doesn't recognize the difference between a lion and stress at work. It doesn't differentiate. It doesn't go, okay, hold on, lion, definitely more serious, so maybe just a little bit of cortisol. Uh, stress at work, come on, get over it, just a little bit. No, no, no. It goes pressure, release. Anxiety, release. Stress, release. Now here's the problem, and I hope you guys are journeying with me, is that for most of us, we find ourselves in not just moments of pressure, but in seasons of pressure. Now, I know a lot of it is, is out of our control. What's going to happen with the economy? Politically, what's going on? Like, it's just it's out of my control. But we still have to face it. But then there's pressure that is in our control. And somehow, we just find ourselves wandering into it. And so we are in seasons, in long seasons of pressure. So what do you think happens to your body? It just turns on the tap for cortisol. So instead of that drip, now it's like just gushing through your body. What does that mean? Your immune system is temporarily shut down. So you're going to get sick a lot. Your blood pressure goes up. That is not a good thing. For a short period of time, sure, but not over an extended period of time. And so the body's in this imbalance. It's like, what on earth is going on? We're supposed to bring down everything when you're now calm, but you're not. It's like you're just spiking the whole time. Because you're under pressure. You see, this is a, a big reason why a lot of people, hardworking people, people are like, I'm going to put in the ground, I'm going to chase the paper. quickly find themselves exhausted, sick, depressed, because you're under pressure. But that's human biology, and it's a real thing. But because here at Rooted Fellowship, we consider ourselves to be children of God, we, we believe that we are driven by faith, that, that everything is spiritual, and from the spiritual, then we figure out how do we handle the physical, the emotional, the mental. And so we must ask the question, does our faith give us a way to handle the pressure? If the reality is all of us are going to experience it at some point, does our faith give us uh, ways to handle the pressure? If only, if only there was someone that we could go to who found themselves in intense pressure and made it through that we could look to as an example. Who, who, who? I'm glad you asked. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And our text reveals Jesus' time of intense pressure, and yet he made it through. In fact, the Gospels contain 
an account of the time that the disciples and Jesus spent in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is our passage this morning and for the next three weeks. And so I find it fitting for us to call the series that I think is going to be incredibly helpful for us in 2019. How to navigate through pressure. How to navigate through pressure. You're feeling good right now. It's a new year. It's exciting. You get home and you turn on the TV. Monday morning, you open up the newspaper and you feel pressure. But there's a way for us to navigate through it. Now, again, if you're listening carefully, you should go on it. All of this is super uncomfortable because you're using language that is implying something that makes me uncomfortable. You said through it. Navigating through it. I did. See, here's the thing. For many of us, when we pray, we ask that God would remove whatever it is that I'm experiencing, the pressure that's in my life. Remove it, God. And that's a good prayer, and we should pray it. But the reality is that for some of us, maybe many of us, God will not remove it. He will rather get us through it. And don't miss that. Don't think that that is not a miracle. So often we focus on the miracle of, oh, cancer's gone. That's a miracle and we praise God for it. But the ability to navigate through that cancer is a miracle itself. To come out the other side with with joy and and satisfaction and to still know that God loves you and cares for you is a miracle itself. And so we need to figure out how to navigate through it. And so in our text, in the garden, we find that Jesus prays to the Father three times, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as your will. Verse 39. A little later, Jesus prays, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 42. And then in verse 44, it tells us that Jesus returned and prayed for the third time, asking for this this cup to be removed, but not His will, but the Father's will be done. See, these prayers reveal Jesus' mindset just before crucifixion. And his total submission to the will of God. See, the cup to which Jesus refers to in his prayers is the suffering he was about to endure. It's as if Jesus were being handed a cup full of bitterness with the expectation that he drink it all. When Jesus appeals to the Father, let this cup pass from me, he expresses the natural human desire to avoid pain and suffering. The very thing that pressure often brings. Now don't get me wrong, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully human. His human nature, though perfect, still struggled with the need to accept the torture and the shame that awaited him. His very flesh wanted to retreat from the cross. In the same context, Jesus says to his disciples, The spirit is willing, but it's the flesh. It's the flesh that is weak. Verse 41. And so in praying, let this cup pass from me, Jesus was battling the flesh and its desires for self-preservation and comfort. And this struggle, friends, was intense. 
We're told that Jesus was sorrowful and troubled in verse 37, and that he was deeply grieved to the point of death, verse 38. And then in the Gospel of Luke, the great physician observed that Jesus was sweating blood. This is a sign of extreme anguish, torment, distress, and suffering. Jesus was under some immense pressure. And if anything, this shows that Jesus indeed was fully man. Fully God. But in this prayer, we can see that he was fully man. The agony Jesus was about to face was going to be more than physical. It would be spiritual and emotional as well. Jesus knew that that God's will was to crush him. To allow him to be pierced for our transgressions and wounded for our healing. The beautiful words found in Isaiah chapter 53. See, Jesus loves humanity and wanted them, us, to be saved and reconciled to the Father. But his own humanity dreaded the pain and sorrow he faced. And it drove him to ask the Father, let this cup pass from me. See, Jesus' prayer to let the cup pass from me contains two crucially important truths for us to know. But because today is not Easter, I'm not going to give you those incredible truths. We'll just have to return a couple of months for that. But this morning, I I want you to know that there was no other way. That there was no other way. There was no plan B. So even Jesus asking this, there there was no other way. There was no plan B. Jesus had to go through this. He had to navigate through this pressure to be obedient to the Father and to fulfill his mission to redeem humanity. He had to navigate through this pressure. And so this should lead us to ask the question, how did Jesus overcome the pressure that he was under? How did he accomplish his divine mission? How did he remain obedient and faithful to his father? I ask these questions because if you've crossed the line of faith, they should be questions that you ask. In the midst of your pressure, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your stress, How how can I remain uh, faithful to to God and the mission that he has called me to? How can I navigate through this pressure? And so point one of our three-week series, and don't panic, I'm only giving you point one this morning. Point one, how do we navigate through this pressure? How did Jesus navigate through this pressure? He kept his eye on the end of the story. He kept his eye on the end of the story. Another way to say it is he knew how the story ended. He never doubted that. He knew that it would be painful, what he was about to experience. The pressure would be overwhelming. In fact, that at many times headed to the cross, he would find himself on his knees. In fact, in one particular place, unable to pick himself up. Some of you might know the story of Simon, the man from Cyrene, an African city in Libya, came to his aid when Jesus just couldn't carry the cross anymore. And so through all of this, Jesus kept his eyes on the quickly approaching, finished work of God's redemptive plan. 
And so how do we know Jesus knew how the story ended? Right? It's, it's, it's not clearly there. It's not explicit. How, how do we know that, that Jesus knew how the story ended? See, Jesus' death and resurrection was predicted by Jesus himself. He would refer to it over and over and over again during his lifetime. The, the fact that he would rise from the dead was central to Jesus' ministry and message. Friends, if, if only we slowed down when we read the scriptures just to, to see and gaze upon the, the nuggets that we find in scripture. Because we would see these things. But the problem is like, like in life, we just pace through everything. And so often we'll fail to see some of these beautiful truths that the resurrection was, was, was critical and central to Jesus' ministry and message. In fact, three years before he was raised from the dead, the following exchange between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders occurred. In John chapter 2, verse 18 to 22, it'll be up on the screen, it says, So the Jews replied to him, What sign will you show us? For doing these things. Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, this temple took 46 years to build and you will raise it up in three days? They missed it. They read too quickly. Verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Jesus knew. He knew how the story ended. In fact, in the last six months of his earthly life, Jesus emphasized the importance and necessity of his crucifixion as well as the victory of his resurrection. We see this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. He knew how the story ended. Jesus also made the remarkable claim that he had the authority to accomplish the resurrection himself. John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. He says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Over and over and over again, he's, he's saying to us, guys, I know what's waiting for me. The intense pressure that awaits me, but I know how the story ends. It's just going to allow me to navigate through it. The scriptures are clear. Jesus knew how the story ended, and it ends in victory. It ends in victory. Now, you would think this would make it simple. If we know how the story ends, it would make it simple for us to go, you know, I'm going through some intense pressure, but because I know how the story ends and it ends in victory, I'll be all right. I'll go through it. I'll remain faithful. I'll continue to love those around me. I won't be ugly. I won't be mean. I won't seek revenge. No, 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 no. Because I know how the story ends. It ends in victory. I'll make it through. You would think that it would make it simple to remain faithful, obedient to the end. And yet history only points to one who has ever done this. History only points to one who has ever done this, who, who in the midst of pressure, intense pressure, made it through to the other side. 
This should tell us that pressure is no joke. It is no joke. It knows our weak spot. It knows how to attack us. It knows where to find us. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's seeking the approval of others. And so you're driven by that the whole time. And so you're constantly wondering, am I good enough? Am I perfect enough? Am I dressed okay? Maybe for some of you, it's the, it's the pursuit of success. And so it's just so much pressure, the economy. And I need to make sure this person is seating uh, in government. And I need to do this and this investment. It, like the whole time, your life is driven by those things. And so you feel the pressure. My kids, I'm wondering if my kids will be okay. Will they grow up okay? Will they, will they make it in this country? Should we go somewhere else? Well, I, I just don't know. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Will I be single forever? I don't know. What should I do? Should I go to this place? Should I date this person? Should I lower my standards? Uh, I just don't know. Pressure. It will find you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how well connected you are. It will find you. It knows our weak spot. Remember, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. And so this is why we must look to the one who did not waver in the midst of pressure. Look to him as the example and the means to which we can stay the course to faithfulness. Not to yourself. I just told you, throughout history, no one, no one has remained perfect in the midst of pressure. No one but Jesus Christ. And so why? Why look to the self-help help books? Why, why look to your neighbor? Why look to the CEO? To your spouse? Look to the one who did not waver in the midst of pressure. Look to him as the example and the means in which to stay the course. In fact, the writer of Hebrews beautifully reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12, and Christina beautifully read it to us this morning. But before he, he reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12, he, he makes this long list of men and women who did incredible things. It's called the, the Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11. It refers to men and women, young and old, who did incredible things. They were not perfect. They were like you and me experiencing pressure. Pressure because they wanted to remain faithful to God. They wanted to be uh, faithful to the mission. And so they experienced pressure. They dropped the ball several times, but, but they got back up and they, and they just continued to look to Jesus. And so he makes this long list and then he says, when you find yourself living in the pressure cooker of life, that's not Hebrews 12, those are my words. When you find yourself there, listen to these words in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside the pressure. Let us lay aside the anxiety. Let us lay aside the worry, the burdens. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, the originator, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter, the finisher, the one who completes it, the one who navigated through it and did not buckle. For the joy that lay before him, these next words make no sense when you've just read the words before them, but we know how the story ends. 
For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He sat down at the place of victory. Navigated through the pressure, looking to the end, finding joy in the end, and then seating at the right hand of the Father. Jesus knew how the story ended, and in him, hear this, friends, in him, we know how the story ends. With Jesus on the throne, and all of creation restored, with us ruling with him throughout eternity, by the power of the Holy Spirit, glorifying God the Father and enjoying him forever. This is how it ends for us. And so, pressure may have you for a moment. Pressure may have you for a moment. But know this, child of God, our Father has us forever. Our Father has us forever. Jesus not only leaves us with an example, but he provides for us a way to stay the course so that we might finish the race well and hear these words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And so over these next few weeks, we'll be taking a look at some practical things that God gives us in addition to us knowing how the story ends. He gives us some practical things that we can do here today to ensure that we can press on as a church, that we can continue to remain faithful to Him and faithful to the mission that He's called us, that we can be all that He has created us to be, so that we can be all in for God and His glory. And so if we're going to make it through the pressure cooker of life, we need to be reminded of this beautiful truth. And so friends, you don't want to miss these next few weeks. You really don't. I know some of y'all walked in going, I'm going to continue with my one in every three weeks routine. You don't want to miss these next few weeks because they're going to, they're going to be able to, to give you all that you need to, to be able to navigate through the pressures that await you. And they are waiting. They are waiting. Jesus knew how the story ended. And so in him, we know how the story ends. We hold on to that. We trust in that. And he will get us through whatever pressure it is that we're experiencing. Let's pray. And so, Father, we, we come to you in this new year. God, recognizing that you are the one who brings the, the newness of the season. You're the one that brings new beginnings. You're the one that, that allows us to, in some way, have a fresh start. That all of this is from your hand. But God, I, I want us to also recognize that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is in desperate need of a Savior, and that Savior is you. And so we are aware that there are, that there are tons of people in situations that are not driven by the gospel and don't have you as the one that they can look to, the author and perfecter. And so this results in us experiencing immense pressure, anxiety, worry, burden and so God our hope our hope is that over these next few weeks we would wrestle through some of these things that you have given us to navigate through pressure the temptation is, is to isolate ourselves, the temptation is to say to ourselves we can handle this on our own, we'll be okay we're in control 
That is a lie from the evil one to keep us in that place where we have no idea what to do, where we feel helpless. And so God, I'm going to ask that you would push us as a community. That you would compel us as a family. That we would press into your promises. That we would hold on to them and know that they are true and know that they are applicable because they are made yes in Christ. You are all that we need. Holy Spirit, help us to know that this is true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.